coming up on the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. So when I look at patience, patience is recovery of the mind. We talk about how important recovery is today with sleep, nutrition, hydration. Patience is the recovery of the mind. That's what we need to really work on is being patient. And if you show me somebody that's going to be patient, I'm going to show you somebody that's confident. So the avenue to all these mental skills and mental toughness and mental health is through time and it's and it's through patience. You know, we have this action bias. We always think that doing something has to be better than doing nothing. And that is not the case. Sometimes we don't have to do nothing. You know, we always hear it, right? Like, don't just sit there, do, do something. Well, sometimes it's don't just do something, sit there, right? Reflect, breathe, let, you ever drink wine before it's ready? Right? No one would do that stuff, man. You're not going to waste a good bottle of wine on that because it takes patience in order that to come to fruition. That's the same exact thing it is in life. Hello, and welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I'm Brian Grin, and I'm here to give you actionable tips to get your body back to what it once was 5, 10, even 15 years ago. Each week, I'll give you an in-depth interview with a health expert from around the world to cut through the fluff and get you long-term sustainable results. This week, I interviewed Dr. Rob Bell. He's the mental coach for multiple winners on the PGA Tour, Indy 11, and the University of Notre Dame. He's written eight books on mental toughness and has an awesome sports psychology podcast called Mental Toughness Podcast. We discussed what he's learned from coaching mental toughness with high-level athletes, along with hinge moments in life, the power of time, recovery of the mind, importance of patience, and his one tip to get your body back to what it once was. This was a great interview with Dr. Rob Bell. I know you'll enjoy it as much as I did. Have a great week and enjoy the interview. All right. Welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. My name is Brian Grin, and I have Dr. Rob Bell on the show. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Brian. Looking forward to it, man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, all the way from Indy, I was explaining I went to Butler for a couple of years, so we have that in common. Uh, cool. <laughs> where'd you go to school? Uh, I went to three different schools. I went to Shepherd University, which is in West Virginia, and then Temple University in Philly, and then f- finished up my doctorate at uh, University of Tennessee. Gotcha. Okay. Sports psychology coach. Podcast mm-hmm. host, you got the podcast "15 Minutes of Mental Toughness" podcast. When'd you start that? Jeez, man, that was probably. I mean, we're in. Um, I just had the 120th episode. Okay. Um, and they come out bi-weekly, so I want to say. I mean, time now, right? It's everything's pre-COVID. So I know it's pre-COVID. I knew that. Um, it's probably 2018. I even kind of rebranded it. Now it's just Mental Toughness Podcast with Dr. Rob Bell. Um, because I started it out as like, man, I wanted these 15 minute segments, mm. but I couldn't get anywhere in 15 minutes, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I kind of said, like, if anybody reads a book or you listen to a podcast, I think you're gonna get. Like if you read a book, you're going to get a couple of really good nuggets out of that book. Mm-hmm. But you don't remember everything that was in that book. Same thing with the podcast. You remember, hey, that was a really good podcast. And I remember this one item. So I tried to say, you'll get 15 minutes of really good content. But then I just kind of bagged it and said, look, Mental Toughest Podcast, Dr. Rob Bell, we'll just run with that. But I, I love doing it, man. I, I feel like I get so much out of interviewing people. I'm, I'm sure you can agree, man. It's just, I love interviewing people. I do too. I mean, I've met so many great people. We were just talking. I've had Scott Stallings on. I know you're involved with the PJ Tour a little bit, um, and sports psychology and 
like building mental toughness. Like I love that topic. So I'm excited to have you on here and talk all about that. Uh, perhaps maybe give the audience just a little bit of background of, of, you know, um, you know, what you've been up to and, and sort of how do you got into, uh, you know, sports psychology? Yeah, man, that's, I mean, I don't know if we have, we have enough time for that one. That's, um, well, you'll, you'll do the, the, the short version. The short version is, um, yeah, work with, uh, professional athletes and, and executives. My philosophy, man, is that everyone's an athlete or office is just different. So even working with corporate athletes, I mean, I, I still think everyone's an athlete, you know, because we compete against the most sure. difficult opponent and that's our mind. Um, mm. Yeah, what I've been up to, man, just finishing uh, uh, I Can't Wait to Be Patient has been released. So that was my eighth book on mental toughness and really excited about that one and that kind of movement and really focusing on time as the most important resource that we have. And why don't we approach our mental game and our mental health through time before we're looking at any other type of like recovery. And, uh, um, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I got into the field because I was an athlete that just thought too much, man. I couldn't, I was always thinking, always think I can never shut off the mind. And the thing was that Brian is no one could ever help me. So I always wanted to be then that person that I needed back like in the day. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's essentially, man, how I started and, and got into it. And then when I came across it in, in college and I just knew it was tattooed on my heart, this is what I want to do with my entire life. And that was help athletes, coaches, and teams before they perform their best when it matters the most. Yeah. I love that. I think as, as a golfer, it's something we're always, uh, at least for, for me, I've always read a lot on the topic. I mean, Bob Rotella, Dr. Bob Rotella, obviously he's come up with some great books. What have you, what have you learned through the years? I mean, um, you've done some caddying for some PJ tour players. Mm -hmm. Um, looks like you've helped different, uh, athletes from all different walks of life. One of the what what are some of the, th the big the high level things that you've learned from that? I, I I've learned that it only takes one. That's the main thing. No matter how bad things are in our life, no matter how downtrodden it is, how bleak an outcome looks, it only takes one. It takes one shot, one tournament, one one mm -hmm. person that you meet, one podcast that you listen to, one book that you read to turn everything around. That's what we're getting ready for. The, the thing is, is we just don't know when that's coming. So what does it take? What takes being prepared? That's the real importance of mental toughness is you have to be ready because when your moment hits, it's too late to prepare. You have to be ready. And the other part of that is just believing and knowing that you're going to get an opportunity. And it's about maximizing that opportunity. That's probably the biggest thing that I've learned throughout my years. And that's you know, I wrote the whole book on the hinge and that's why I look at the, I mean, there are these hinge moments that happen. We don't know when they're going to happen, but our job is to be ready and to be mentally ready, especially when, when that, when that comes. Yeah. T talk a little bit about the hinge moment. I know, um, mm -hmm. is that something that happened in your life? Well, I think we have multiple hinge moments in our life. I think, you know, again, it can be any one moment. If you look at any important game, any important competition, it's going to come back to one possession, right? One catch of the ball. And coaches always say, look, one play doesn't make it. I agree. One play doesn't make it, but you don't know which play that's going to be. So it's never one play, but it's always one play. Right. And so, you know, with that, I mean, the, the part is like multiple hinge moments that happen in our life. I mean, tragedies that happen in our life, they're immediate hinge moments because from that moment on, everything's different. And when I talk about the hinge, I mean, every door in life has a hinge. So doors opening and closing in life, that's because of the hinge. 
if you ever hear of a rusty door, it's not the door that gets rusty at all. It's the hinge that gets rusty. And so what the hinge does is it really connects who we are with who we're going to become. Now, because we cannot connect the dots in life looking forward, we can only connect the dots in life looking backwards. We don't know what those moments are going to be. Sometimes we don't know that the hinge connects sometimes to weeks, months, years later, right? But that that talk that we gave, that person that we met connected us to somebody else. So we have no idea how these dots are going to connect. But the, the like I said, like these tragedies that happen, they're immediate because from that moment on, everything's different. You know, death of a loved one, significant injuries, you know, the the depression. I mean, the, you know, life that happens, cancer. From that moment on, everything's different. And what our job is and what our role is in that is to, one, you know, be able to have acceptance around it. And then how do we use that obstacle in one way or another into an opportunity? And as trite as sometimes it sounds, in every bad situation, there's going to be some good that comes out of it. If we have the right mindset. And that's where it's always coming back to that mindset that we have. And, you know, I'm, I'm just, I see it all the time that it only takes one. Only takes one. That's what we're getting ready for. We just don't know when that one is going to be. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, I just was listening to a podcast with Johnson Wagner and uh, they asked him like, uh, what's that? Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, because I know you've worked with some PGA Tour guys and um, he talked about self-talk and what made him a good putter. One of the things that would made him a good putter was obviously working hard at it, but also um, having the right mental approach to each putt and just believing how important is self-talk, not only in golf, but in other walks of life? Because I, I actually coach high school golf, so I try to um, get these kids into the right mindset. I mean, I'm not going to change their swings, right? Like, So I want to try to have them perform as, as to the best of their ability and what, you know, what they bring to the table. And so we always talk about self-talk. Um, what are some things that individuals can do to help, whether it's in golf or in life, uh, with self-talk? Yeah, man, it's it the power of self-talk or the inner chatter. Um, you have to be so careful about what you say to yourself because you're listening. You're listening to it. And you, it's really tough to outperform your own self-worth. So whatever image that you have of yourself, and you know, mine when it comes to self-talk, mine isn't always the best. It's really not. I really have to take those thoughts captive and and then be able to speak truth. Sometimes it's like you know, you don't suck. Um, maybe it's right now, right? You haven't really reached that goal yet, you know, so you have to be able to add these powerful words into it. I mean, I read the uh, uh, one of my mate's books is called The Spartan Mindset. I read Malty and Coach Reed just really talks about like those power of words that we have. The interesting thing when it comes to the self-talk is we are hardest on ourselves and we are with anybody else. Like I would never say what I say to my best friend, what I say to myself. So if that's the case, then when that negative talk really comes up, the strategy that we have to do is be able to take those thoughts captive and to be able to speak it out loud. Because I think when we speak it out loud, you know, that's when it makes sense in our mind. I don't know how it works. 
but even working with athletes, they have to be able to express it and be able to verbalize it. Doesn't that always have to make sense, but they make sense of it themselves. So if I'm saying, look, I suck, you have to be able to say that stuff out loud and then be able to capture and be like, no, 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 I don't suck. That was a bad shot. You know, I mean, it was a bad round, but we can't perform our own self-worth if it keeps saying it ourselves. That becomes really difficult. So then once we start speaking it out loud, we have to start talking to ourselves like it is our best friend. Like, how would I, how, what would I say to my, my best friend in this situation? Mm-hmm. My best friend in this situation. Yeah, man, it was a bad shot. So what? Next shot. You got another opportunity. Um, bad tournament. Okay. So what? You know, you're going to get that back. You're still a great player. Uh, what, what did you learn from that situation? Like that sort of, that sort of talk instead of just throwing the stop sign out and just saying, I suck. And then that's it. Boy, that leaves a lot of the mind then to, mm. to make sense of it. And that's where I look at the power of, of that talk for sure. And, uh, which, uh, which, um, tool pros have you worked with? I'm just curious. Um, you know, I mean, you mentioned Scott Stallings. Who else have you worked with? No. Uh, I mean, geez, man. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, um, I mean, unless people are like following the tour, I mean, you know, Austin Cook, Adam Shank, Tyler Duncan have been some players, Jimmy Knauss, uh, Josh Creel, um, you know, worked with Brendan Steele back in the day. Um, so, I mean, I've been fortunate enough to have, you know, three different winners on tour. Um, what, do you, what, what do you think it, at that level? Do you think, I mean, these guys are all have tons of skill, but do you think it, what do you, what sets the guys that are winning to the guys that just aren't winning? The What's the power belief, power belief in themselves and what they're trying to do. They have absolute 100% belief and trust and confidence in what they're trying to do. And that's, that's the major separator. Yeah. And you see that like, obviously John Rahm, number one player in the world and the belief he has, but then you see guys like Max Homa who, you know, for a lot of his career, I mean, he was sort of on, on the up, but like once he got over that, that sort of hurdle of belief probably and saying, you know, thinking that he's, you know, one of the best now he's obviously there and he, he believes in himself. Same thing with like Finau. I feel like Tony Finau talented as ever, but you know, now he, he, he opened the floodgates. He started winning. <laughs> yeah, I think last year he won three times and he, he's already just won recently. So you sort of see how, just like you said, it could take one event, it could take one round where just like the the switch gets flipped and they just, their belief is there and they just start winning. You know, confidence builds confidence, you know, and success yeah. builds confidence. No, no question about it. Um, what, what these guys, what they all have is they have that belief that's not always going to be broadcasted. It's going to be on the back end. So after they have success, then they're talking about it. Um, but you don't get to be at that level without having that that just sheer belief in what you're doing in your process. Yeah. I mean, Scotty Scheffler won like over 90 events as an amateur, you know, just winning at any level, right? He's got that much confidence and knows how to close it out. And you see that now as a professional, how he just gets to the lead and most, you know, most of the time closes it out. Yeah. Yeah. Good example, man. Also a good guy. Let's talk a little bit about, um, I'm curious, your book, I Can't Wait to Be Patient. What's the uh, premise behind the book? Yeah, I mean, it's the power of time. I mean, it's our most precious resource. 
it's the most common resource that every single one of us have together. I mean, you know, uh, money, connections, all that, that, that varies the playing field. Time always levels the playing field. Mm -hmm. And what we have failed to do, what I think is that we've failed to look at time as the path towards improvement. Now, we look at time management, we look at energy management, we we look at all that stuff, but have we really improved our relationship with time? And that is the basis of the book. And the reason why that one got written was, was simply because we try to speed up time when things aren't going well, and we try to slow down time when things are going great. Well, the reality is, is that this too shall pass, good and bad, meaning we always look at like, oh man, don't worry, this too shall pass. We look at it as like, like that's that's should give us hope, and and it's true. But the real proof of that is the good times do not last. So no matter how things are going great right now, we're on top of the mountaintop. That this too shall pass. That will pass. That is not going to last. So that alone gives us proof that the bad times will not last as well. And what happens in life, and what I've seen is that. We have to attack life. You have to attack uh, and approach your practice, approach your profession with a sense of urgency. If you ease into it, you're going to get lapped, right? If you're going to see how it goes and feel things out and maybe have a plan B to it, then you're going to, you're not, it's not going to work. We know that. And we know how hard work is. We know action changes everything. And I'm not debating that at all. I'm 100% on board with that mentality. Attack at all times. However, what we do is because we have a sense of urgency towards everything, now everything is urgent. And once everything becomes urgent, it trumps what's important. And now we become urgent waiting in line. Now we become urgent when we're talking with somebody. Now we become urgent in these situations that are unimportant. And now there's not an off switch. So if we want to talk about stress, we want to talk about anxiety, it's getting back to that relationship with time that we haven't prioritized what's important and we and the urgency always trumps the importance. So when I look at patience, patience is recovery of the mind. We talk about how important recovery is today with sleep, nutrition, hydration. Patience is the recovery of the mind. That's what we need to really work on is being patient. And if mm -hmm. you show me somebody that's going to be patient, I'm going to show you somebody that's confident. So the avenue to all these mental skills and mental toughness and mental health is through time and it's, and it's through patience. You know, we have this action bias. We always think that doing something has to be better than doing nothing. And that is not the case. Sometimes we don't have to do nothing. You know, we always hear it, right? Like, don't just sit there, do, do something. Well, sometimes it's don't just do something, sit there, right? Reflect, breathe, let you ever drink wine before it's ready. Right. No one would do that stuff, man. You're not going to waste a good bottle of wine on that because it takes patience in order for that to come to fruition. That's the same exact thing it is in life. And what I've seen today is we bail before we're able to see it through. We change, we switch, we try out things when what we need to do is we need to stay committed to that past, stay committed to that process and really just have patience. The process takes perspective, but the product always requires patience. And that's why that book was written, man. And you know, I'm really happy about it. And I love really just approaching everything now in terms of mental toughness through patience. Mm. 
Yeah. Patience is huge. I mean, I think, you know, we talk a lot about health and wellness on this podcast and um, whether it comes to changing, making lifestyle changes or getting into working out. uh, A lot of times people don't like wait it out till the results can come, right? Like they want to have results so quickly that whether, whether they're changing their diet or making lifestyle changes with, you know, working out or whatever, I think the biggest thing is just staying consistent over a long period of time. Um, and that's the most important thing. You see people, you know, get into workouts, they start, they go gung ho for a week or two or three, and then expecting results, it might not happen right away. And then they bail. And is, is that sort of what you're sort of, um, it's exactly, exactly yeah. it, man. And that's sort of like the macro level of patience. I mean, anything worth doing is going to take time in order to see results. Right. Well, why is that an issue now, even though we've known that ever since the beginning of time? Well, because the cadence, just look at technology, the cadence of life has sped up exponentially that we don't have to wait for anything really anymore. No, right. (laughs) And so since we don't have to wait for anything, well, the tolerance then of waiting has dropped to the level of, I don't need to wait. Well, no matter what, you're still going to be waiting, right? We're going to be waiting in traffic, we're going to be waiting in line. But because we're still waiting, but we're done the illusion that we don't have to wait, we're not good at it anymore. And, it, it, you know, when the emotions then come into play, man, it's like, look, wisdom says wait, emotions say hurry. When the emotions are going to kick in, you know, all it's getting back to is are we able to take a breath, reflect here, like in this moment, big picture stuff? Are we able to just stay committed? And I mean, you you know better than I do, man, but I just think crazy, I mean, consistency beats crazy all the time. Yeah. And it's just like you said, this is the environment that we're in now, right? You can get everything like in, in the matter of seconds. Like, you know, if your internet, like it's like a test is like, if your internet's not working exactly right, like, and you're waiting a little bit for a page to load, like, that's it. Like, I'm freaking um, out, man. Yeah. You know, and that's I put that in the book, man. There was an average of two seconds before people bailed on uh on sales mm. page. And that was two seconds, fifty percent bailed. And on a, on, a, on a sales page. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like that was, was a study. It's like with social media now, and um if if you don't catch someone's attention within, you know, the first few seconds, they're just gonna move on and and scroll through. And yeah, that's just the time we live in. And you know, you look at like like kids. I mean, I know you have, what do you have two kids? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, do you see that with kids nowadays? Like, cause they're not used to being bored and having nothing to do and, you know, wanting everything within like, <laughs> do you see this with kids uh, growing up? Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, in the third grade, like any kid in the third grade, the reason why growing up, the third grade always seemed so long was because of the frame of reference. So to a kid in third grade, their entire life is third grade. If right now, one year flies by. Why? Because really one year in the percentage of life is not that much, you know, but for for a third grader, it's 90%. Well, what you see now, man, is that, yeah, it flies by for them too because of the speed and the cadence. And I mean, it really gets back to this, man. It's like, look, we're designed to get from point A to point B as fast as possible. There's no question about that, right? What are you going to buy? Are you going to buy something that tells you how to lose 10 pounds in six months? Are you going to buy lose 10 pounds in two weeks? 
speed, speed trumps it all, right? right I mean, right. even though it's not correct, and even though it's not going to be sustainable, it's still going to be the selling point. So because we're designed to get from point A to point B as fast as possible, um, everything then has this speed and this cadence to it. What I'm trying to say, and, and what comes with that, right? What's the collateral damage is we're bombarded by the urgent, man. We're we're tugged and you know by the by the future and we're distracted by that, which is really unimportant. And we got to get back to uh, rhythm is more important than speed. The rhythm about what we're doing is more important than speed, creating those routines and and having the recovery of the mind. What are some ways people can, I don't know, like implement this into their lives, you know, like become more patient. I mean, it's something that I actually, I do, I don't know what your thoughts on like affirmations, but uh, one of them is uh, for me, just becoming patient, positive, present, and pers- and productive. But the four P's I came up with <laughs> for myself. It, yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I was. Yeah, go ahead. I, I just think it starts with number one, awareness of time. Okay, we when you, we feel we all feel the trigger of when we get rushed. What what do we what are we getting rushed for? Right, because five months from now it's not going to matter at all. Five years from now we're not even going to remember what that stressor was. But we remember when we make the mistake, when we react instead of respond to the situation. I'm always saying this, man. Instead of speed, we just got to focus on rhythm. What's the rhythm that we're creating in our life? How are we showing up in the transitions in life? These are the times that require us because from, from patience and from the recovery standpoint, if we go from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting, there's no recovery to it. At some point, we're not at our best. We're not performing our best. It's the same thing about growing the muscle, man. The muscle doesn't grow when when we crush it in the actual workout. It grows in the recovery piece. We don't overtrain. I don't think we overtrain. There are very few people that overtrain. We under-recover. Mm. We don't put the time. We don't stretch enough. We don't have the hydration. We don't have the, you know, the supplements, all that stuff. That's the same way that the mind is coming into play. So focus on rhythm, focus on the transitions, and just being really aware of uh, the time and and when the stress hits, getting back to the time situation. Yeah. And would would one technique be like, and something that I try to do almost every day is just just sitting in silence, like literally like I'll, I've worked on like just sitting in like, even if it's 10 minutes of just like being present, Yeah, um, something like that can really i find can just you talk about recovering the brain can sort of just put you in a different mindset it's fantastic man no question i am not that guy i'm not the guy to sit and meditate i've tried man but i'm (laughs) not so what i do is i remove the distractions that are going to be there when i'm running i do not listen to music when i run never Mm -hmm. and the reason why is because (laughs) what we're we're trying to disconnect from that stuff and then we're right. going to add to it that make any sense man now that's the flip side i would never do a workout without having any music on in the background cuz then that's kind of weird well people look at you know so i'm still to a point right i like i don't have the bombardment of uh exterior th- you know communication that's going on i'm alone kind of with my thoughts but then in that mode of running focusing on my breathing focus on gratitude and focus on perspective you know that's the prayer time and that's the time that i try and be quiet and still the mind so i do that 
it's just over a span of you know a four hour run out there in nature in the hills and four hours stuck in life well it depends man i like <laughs> i like ultra running man so it's oh like, my god oh yeah you is that yeah that's right you've done yeah. some endurance events and things like that. Is that do you still do that yeah, man, I still do. Uh, I don't wow. have a hundred miler on the on the list this year. I've got a fifty k that's coming up, but uh, yeah, I love doing that stuff. Because again, man, I love pushing myself as well. But if you were to say, Rob, are you patient? The answer is no, I'm not patient. Uh, that's why I wrote the book, man, because I'm totally admitted. No, I'm not patient. If you <laughs> ask any dog, though, hey, are you mentally tough? Yeah, everyone's gonna say, yeah, I'm mentally tough. But are you patient? No, not at all. That's why I wanted to approach it through through this recovery piece, man. And you've done iron, you've done, a, how many Ironmans have you done? I mean, I've done one Ironman. Um, That's great. I mean, I've I mean, done a few halves. I'm not the best fan of the bike. I love the camaraderie of cyclists. I love being with the team while training, but I'm not the biggest cyclist, man. I just don't, don't get that much joy out of it. And I know those cyclists that are listening to it are like, oh man, well, you know, I, I get it. Um, but I, I like running and swimming more. Yeah, that's that's quite an accomplishment. And uh, yeah, so I I know you talked about so like, um, you know, I don't know if shutting off the mind is the right word because I think your mind you'll all you know it's like when I meditate you'll have thoughts right but you just sort of let them come and right. go right and just sort of I just try to focus on breath. Um, yeah. But I do agree. Like I take w- walks every day with my dogs like i'm not an endurance athlete or anything <laughs> i do more like just resistance training and you know but on the walks i'll see people that are on their phones the whole time like with their walking their dog they don't even know where they're walking half the time <laughs> so like that's one thing that's a rule for me is i don't bring any i don't bring my phone i don't listen to music it's just me walking my dogs and and yeah, that that in itself is is a great way to just focus on staying present and, and no question, man. You yeah. know, and that's the disconnect. So on one hand, it's been awesome that I can order something from online and have it there this afternoon if right. I want, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's tremendous. I mean, incredible, right? You know, the other hand is, well, it, it, you have to be able to disconnect from it because if that's always that's there then that's what we're always going to be going to, man, scrolling, you know, ordering, you know, just because we don't like that uh, stillness and being, you know, not connected at that time. We need it, man. It's exponentially more so important. Like when raising our kids, we never had any technology um, out in public. So even like, yeah, I mean, they would have in the car, but they're not taking that stuff to dinner with them. That's nice. Um, I like that rule. Because they got to be able to self-regulate, man. They got to be able to self, you know, uh, and when they get stressed. And if we don't self-regulate, you know, what are we doing instead, man? We just start freaking out. I actually wanted to touch on that a little bit. I saw one of your books, Don't Should on Your Kids, Build Mental yeah. Toughness. Maybe touch on that and, and and what are some of the high-level points from that book? Yeah, man. Don't should on your kids. Don't, um, don't say it three times fast. The... Youth sports has just been professionalized. Youth sports. Youth youth... sports, man. If you look at the, I mean, it it is. I mean, it's it's big, big business now. And what, there were so many different avenues, I think, to take from it. But it's like, it really got back to, we try removing the obstacles for the kids. And we try preparing uh, the path for the kids, when what we need to do is prepare them for the path. 
and that requires us, you know, being, being better communicators with our kids. Um, it requires us to allow them to take ownership of it. It requires us to, you know, have better debriefs, you know, as parents when it's good or it's bad. And these are not easy, man. These are simple things, but they are not easy. And then it's really, it's just being able to allow them to take ownership of it. Um, tons of things. I think when it comes to just sport teaches us whatever we want it to teach. People say, well, sport teaches life lessons. That's, that's not correct, man. It doesn't. If you have a good coach that stresses ownership, then it can teach a life lesson of being able to ownership. If you have a coach or a debrief or a parent talking about the time um, and the importance of preparation, well, then that is what that is going to teach. But sport by itself will only teach whatever we want it to teach. And that's where I look at, look, these lessons in sport are going to last way beyond when their sport is going to be over. Are we really stressing those in those development years as well? Because if the only thing that we really stress is winning ranking and statistics, then that's what they're going to own. And that's why that book was written, man. Yeah, I, I, always get, th- more, I get more parents that reach out to me about that one, that that one helped than, than any other. Yeah. When did you write that book? Jeez, man, pre-COVID, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. I think that one was 2017. Seems like a long time ago. Now. 2015. Oh, was that when it was? Okay. Just looking it up right now. Yeah. Don't should on your kids build their mental toughness. Yeah, one of the things I've gotten in, you know, coaching, you coach golf with, you know, your with your clients um, or coach mental toughness with your clients or work on that, the psychology is golf there's so many there are so many life lessons that you can learn from from playing golf i always encourage parents to get their kids involved with golf even if it's not um playing it in in high school or in college or whatever you're just getting out there because for one they're not in front of their devices <laughs> right they're like a, they're in nature they're outside no distractions um and just you know just integrity um you know patience you talk about having having to be patient on the golf course um, and just being, you know, like so, talk about self-talk and just so many things that you can apply that go so far beyond the sport of golf. You, mic drop, man. You said it, bud. <laughs> sport teaches whatever, you know, whatever we want to teach. And that's golf is, is every sport is like life on one way or another, right? If you look at like swimming. So if you want to be a swimmer, you know, or have that part of your identity, then that means early morning workouts. There's no way around it. That means twice a day workouts. So that one resembles life because that there's no harder worker in sport than when it comes to like swimming, you know, when golf, the way that resembles life as well is because the harder you try, the worse you're going to do. You can't muscle the sport of golf. It's a finesse sport. You know, the way you fight though in golf is to, be patient. The way you fight in golf is to, you know, recover from this mistake, to use time to your advantage. And it's such a social sport as well, that amount of connections you can have just through golf, man. It's and it's a sport you're gonna play for your whole life too. You're not yeah, I mean, you might swim, you know, your entire life. That's great. You might run, you might do these activities. Um, but when it comes to like an actual 
sport, right? Um, and I'm not saying like swimming in the sport, like I still swim and I'll do masters events and all that, but it's like the part that you would do longer than anything, man, is going to be, it's going to be golf. Um, what would you say? Uh, I mean, you've had your podcast and you've written a bunch of books. Like have you, has your stance on anything changed through the years as far as working with clients or even for yourself when it comes to just mental toughness? Man, that's a, uh, that's a loaded question there. And that like, I know. I mean, you know, I look at myself just from like, like I've been in health and wellness for like 20 years now. And your, I don't know, my per- perspective and how I sort of think about things when it comes to health has changed. Um, and I was just wondering from your standpoint, just being a professional in, in sort of the, the mental game, is there anything that has changed your viewpoint on things have changed? Um, I mean, the biggest, I mean, that's, that I'm, I, I get back to the book. I can't wait to be patient because that has been probably the biggest thing that's changed is we never looked at time. Um, I was always the person that wanted the good times to last a little bit longer. I was always depressed after a season went in. I was always depressed after, uh, you know, I'd have an athlete win because then it's on to the next. And I guess if there's one part that I think is so important is to have closure to whatever you're doing at the end of the season, you got to have a get together with the team, just the team. Um, and there has to be a closure before being able to move on because if then if it's moving on, um, we're always on to the next and it's on to the next and it's on to the next when you got to be able to enjoy these moments because they're so important. They're so few and it goes so fast. Um, that's probably one stance that I find to be really important um, in in sport and every anything that we're going to be doing in general, good or bad. There's got to be closure to it. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I mean, um, you look at it just in sports, like guys win on tour, and then you know you put on PJTour.com, and it's whatever the next event is. You know, like here are the power rankings. You know, and and yeah, winning at any level, yeah, you got to be able to sort of enjoy it. And create some type of yeah. closure. Brian, if you if you look at any championship, whoever's gonna win the next championship, whatever the sport is, it's the out it's out that night. Hey, can they repeat? <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, what are the rankings for next year? Hey, on to the next year. And they try to buffer it by saying, Hey, way too early rankings, you know, but it's basically just saying, Hey, look over here. You know, this right. doesn't really even matter anymore. Look look over to this. Um, I mean, look at the past four nba champions different teams three of them have already been fired already been already gone to the coaches yeah to the coaches i mean why well because it's it's always on it's always on to the next right it's not it's not there's no uh and that's the part of like patience with that is doesn't matter what uh you know, that's what the media wants us to do is to focus always on the next. When I'm saying, look, if you want to really enjoy these moments, then make sure you're enjoying these moments because it's going to be gone before you know it. Yeah. It's like, you know, you have one kid. They're like, I have another one. <laughs> well, we just had one. <laughs> yeah. Let's enjoy it. Or let's, you know, let's enjoy that. Or, uh, yeah. And before we get on to the next one, it's like, yeah. And it's like that in sports and in life. Um, well, this was great. I, I, um, your book, I can't wait to be patient. Um, mm-hmm. we'll definitely put a link in the show notes for that. Yeah. It's can't wait man. 
Oh, nice. Got its own. Yeah. People URL. want to go there and take like the patient's quiz if they have the patient personality. And, and that's that can't sure. can't wait dot com. Okay. And one question I, I like to ask guests, uh what what one tip would you give an individual who's looking to get their body or even their mind, since that's sort of your your road, uh, back to maybe what it once was when they were younger? Because you know, especially mental, you'll see this even with golfers, right? Like they have so much scar tissue from things that have happened to them in the past. Um, like you look at like, I don't know, Phil Mickelson, right? He's had so many close calls in the U S open or whatever. And, and there's like so much scar tissue and I'm sure it's, I know it's something that I'm sure he's worked really hard on to try to sort of put that behind him. But like, what tip would you give one individual who's looking to get their body or their mind back to what it once was, let's say 10, 15 years ago? Um, I would basically say this man is, is don't, you know, don't, don't try and get it back to what it was 10 or 15 years ago. Cause you're, you know, you, there's a saying that you never enter a river at the same spot twice, because if you go to that same spot, the river's already moved on. And what that means is, is you, I want you to create instead of what the vision for you looks like now. Cause what, 15 years ago, you didn't have two kids, man. You had more excess time. So why don't we look at uh, okay, what's the enjoyment that I want to have with this activity, with this movement? Um, what's the discipline that I want to have around certain foods? What is, um, where do I go to when I'm going to be stressed? How can I get better maybe at that part of my life? So picking like the different areas and getting really, I mean, hammering home one of those areas. And then the byproduct becomes, hey, well, you know, what you're going to look and what you're going to feel like. But just pick one area, start with that. Don't worry about trying to get back to where you were. Just um, develop a better you now, and you're going to be exponentially better than what you were. When it comes to scar tissue and stuff like that, it's a, the reason why the scar tissue is there is because we haven't let go of that past. We keep bringing that stuff up. Well, you don't get to the level of a Phil Mickelson without having gone through you know, that um tragedies, setbacks, whatever it is. And I just believe that it's not about the setback. It's always going to be about the comeback. Love that. Great advice. Um, awesome. Well, you, your, your website's drrobbell.com with all your books on there. Um, anything from golf to kids to having no fear. Yeah. So <laughs> a lot of different avenues here. Um, well, thanks for coming on. Awesome. Um, thank you, Brian. Yeah, and uh, appreciate all the all all the uh, the tips. Uh, definitely stuff that can be applicable right now. So um, have a great rest of the day, and I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you, man. Thanks for listening to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I understand there are millions of other podcasts out there, and you've chosen to listen to mine, and I appreciate that. Check out the show notes at briangrin.com for everything that was mentioned in this episode. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend or family member that's looking to get their body back to what it once was. Thanks again and have a great day.